Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. AM 1060 online at kdus1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. He's Bob Kemp. I'm Kayla Mortolaro. It is Monday. It is March 13th. That's right. We're coming to you live from 10 to noon as we will be doing Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. If you forgot about the time change over the weekend, Everything gets started weekdays now with the Dan Patrick Show, 6 to 9 a.m., followed by the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp from 9 to 10, and this here program, Extra Point, from 10 to noon. Selection Sunday was yesterday, so the March Madness brackets are set. We're keeping an eye on all things NFL as the, like, legalized negotiating period is now open before you can officially sign your contracts on Wednesday at 1 p.m. So we'll get into a lot of that. Plus some blockbuster trades have taken place as well over the weekend in the NFL. But let's first set the scene with the poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Should ASU be annoyed playing amongst the first four in Dayton on Wednesday? Yes or no? And no is leading the way at 70% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 30%. ASU will be playing Nevada on Wednesday. Yes, uh, once again in the first four, uh, which seems to be uh, when ASU makes a tournament, that seems to be kind of the route that it takes, and uh, uh, we'll see what happens. You know, a lot of people, uh, the you know, I think the the thing that was the two things that were I heard the most about, uh, you know, the complaints about the bracket itself was the fact that Nevada was in the tournament and Rutgers was not in the tournament, so ASU plays Nevada. That is correct. We'll answer this question around 1230 today. No, I'm sorry. We won't be answering this question at 1230 today. Habit, we'll be answering this question around 1130 today. We will not be on the air at 1230. Uh, Whoops. Uh, I think we both have plans at 1230 today. (laughs) Yeah, I do. So, yeah, hopefully I won't be answering that question at 12. I might be. I might still be answering that question. Who knows? If I have a detailed answer, which I, as of right now, don't have, but maybe I will by then. Fair enough. Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Another question that gets answered today at 1130, but let's go into it now. Should the U of A be satisfied as the second seed in the South? Yes or no? Uh, Yes, leading the way at 75% of the vote. No trailing at 25%. Yeah, I think uh, even after they beat UCLA, I know that there was some thought that they might end up in the in the West region. Obviously, they're going you know, to get to play in the West the first two games in Sacramento, which I'm sure they're happy about. But yeah, the West regional, uh, the second week is actually in, in Las Vegas. And considering that uh, it was pretty astounding, even for the U of A fans, how many – uh, or how how loud the crowd was on Saturday night in that championship game. I know UCLA, not the biggest traveling team in the world, even when they're winning. 
Uh, and then maybe because of the re-injury situation, maybe some people did not make the trip, uh, at least on Saturday, uh, from uh, Los Angeles to Las Vegas. But, uh, I mean, it was like a you know even more of a McHale advantage in the, in the Pac-12 tournament crowd noise on Saturday night than there had been in previous championship games. Well, your calls today, 602-260-1060, around 10.30 and 11.15. That's 602-260-1060. March Madness is here. Selection Sunday is behind us, and we know ASU is playing Nevada, 6.15 p.m. on Wednesday on True TV, and we know the U of A is the two-seed in the South playing Princeton on Thursday at 1.10 p.m. on TNT. Let's start here with ASU. They have been first four appearances with Bobby Hurley three NCAA tournament appearances with the Sun Devils in his tenure which is actually now second most in Sun Devil history as for the Wolf Pack they're a team that averages 72.6 points per game 33.5 rebounds per game they're eight and nine in road or neutral games this season whereas ASU is averaging 70.3 points per game 36.9 rebounds a game and they're 12 and seven in road or neutral games this year yeah, it's amazing. I, you know, they've got uh, you know basically capsule summaries of every team in the tournament, except for Nevada. I gave up on Nevada. Um, they lost a recent game to UNLV. Uh, that game, they lost that game at home, and then they did not have a good uh, you know Mountain West tournament. I I just assumed they were done. So you know, if I were actually doing a bracketology thing, I would have not had them in the tournament to begin with, and. I totally understand the you know the criticism for you know people to have that uh, people have with them actually making the tournament in Nevada. The one thing I do kind of drives me crazy this year or any year is that any team that doesn't make the tournament in this day and age, uh, when you've got uh, you know plenty of opportunities, especially if you're in a quote power conference or one of the top seven or eight conferences, I mean you've got plenty of opportunities to get enough impressive wins and. Yeah, to me, Nevada didn't do that, quite frankly. And ASU clearly uh, has more impressive victories than Nevada does. And uh, so, you know, they're both 11 seeds. And I was uh, I, that surprised me, you know, like I said. You know, I'll know more about Nevada by the time I'm on tomorrow. But uh, I'm kind of short on Nevada stuff right now. Steve Alford's their coach. And it seemed like early in the season they were going to be pretty good and got off to a nice start and uh, – Thought they underachieved to the rest of the season and uh, certainly didn't end the fe- season very well. I believe they were two and four in their last six games. So does that say more about the Big Ten if Rutgers is left out and Nevada's in? Well, I think it has everything to do with the fact that, and they even referenced this yesterday, and they rarely specifically, no matter what year it is, reference injuries as to why a team did not make the NCAA tournament. But we've talked about it briefly. But Mag, one of their you know the, their post center, he blocks shots, changes games for them. Uh, yeah, he was he's been out since uh, he went out on February the sixth, and uh, they went three and six without him, and they had some ugly losses. They lost to Minnesota. Uh, they got they they got outplayed by Minnesota. They got outscored at the end of that game at Minnesota a couple of weeks ago. And the fact that McConnell, who was the you know was the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year a year ago, has missed some time. He did come back, but didn't play nearly as well as he did pre-injury. And uh, you know, I, I forget whether it was Chris Reynolds, who's the head of the tournament committee, or his assistant. I saw both those guys on numerous 
media places yesterday or heard them on a podcast. Uh, you know, they specifically mentioned Rutgers' injury situation as to one of the reasons they're not in the tournament. If ASU wins that game over Nevada, they will move on to play TCU on Friday, 7.05 p.m. As for U of A men's basketball, they beat UCLA in the Pac-12 tournament 61-59. Courtney Ramey hit the three to put the Cats up 60-58 to in turn to beat the Bruins in the tournament for the second year in a row. This win pushed the Wildcats into that two seed, and UCLA, though, continues to have some questions now without Clark and, of course, the the health of Bona as well. Right. Uh, they've actually said that Bona is going to be able to play. Um, you know, whether he's effective or not, I think is, you know, a little legitimate question. And I think that that's a, you know, we've talked about the injury situation in college basketball for several weeks running. And, you know, I think that uh, quite frankly, if, if Clark and Bona are playing, I would be really surprised if the U of A would have won that game. Uh, a week ago, Saturday night, those two guys at least played for a while. I mean, that's the game that Clark was actually injured in, uh, in the second half of that game. But, yeah, they, they won, I think, pretty decisively. Not pretty decisively. They won decisively. Uh, they were playing in Poly Pavilion, of course. But still, you know, I mean, if those two teams are at full strength, I think UCLA's, a, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say much better team than the U of A, but I think they're a better team than the U of A. On the other side, we'll get into the one seeds and the overall one seed for the tournament. Plus, later on in the program, we'll kind of go through uh, the bracket and the games, and I'll pick your brain, uh, at least of according to some of the spread numbers from this morning. But I want to make mention of this here happening at KDOS1060.com. It's pick the winner of the basketball bonanza going to KDOS1060.com and entering the basketball blitz contest from Desert Diamond Casino West Valley. You correctly pick the winner and you will go into one big pot for your chance at $2,000. It's a great opportunity to have some fun with the basketball blitz and be a big winner. While you're at it, join Desert Diamond Casino West Valley to watch all the basketball games at Winter Sports Bar. Winter Sports Bar is serving up great food and drinks surrounded by wall-to-wall screens plus Arizona's best local sports book. Once again, that's the basketball blitz contest. Correctly pick the winner and you'll go into one big pot for a chance at two thousand dollars from desert diamond casino west valley that's over at kdus1060.com as i mentioned last week uh there's plenty of things surrounding all of this craziness going on so you'll want to be checking out the app the kdus1060 app in addition to kdus1060.com plenty of giveaway opportunities for you we'll get into much more surrounding the ncaa tournament on the other side of the break in addition to that keeping an eye as well on the happy around the NFL. I uh, haven't seen anything Cardinals related yet, but there's still plenty of things happening in the NFL that we'll dive into in today's program as well. It is the Extra Point. Ready to bring KDUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa? Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KDUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. 
1018 here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Follow along KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. As we continue on with some NCAA tournament conversation, Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Alabama ended up getting the number one overall seed for the tournament. When it comes to Alabama, there was some kind of questions here heading into the SEC tournament about if they've kind of leveled off, how things have been going since everything transpired with what we publicly have learned about Brandon Miller. Uh, But in the SEC tournament, they certainly cruised to victory over yeah. Texas A&M in that final 82-63, to 63, and every win for Bama was by double digits in the tournament. Yeah, I was going to say exactly that. Uh, you know, they had stumbled their way in. Remember the, a week ago Saturday, they lost at Texas A&M in a game that was really bad. Uh, well, you know, A&M won the game, and they didn't play well in that game either. Uh, but uh, Alabama... I don't know. Maybe the fact that you know they had, you know, they've been pretty much, uh, not pretty much. They had, you know, Brandon Miller and others had uh, the players had not really addressed the media about anything uh, since uh, you know the latest reports came out, which is I guess what three weeks ago tomorrow now. Um, you know, they certainly had played poorly, at least uh, compared to what they had done previously. They actually, you know, they had media availability. There was a lot of national attention. And the SEC tournament, and uh, I guess CBS News was there, among others. I'm talking CBS News, not CBS Sports, uh, because you know Brandon Miller was going to talk, and he did, and he did interviews, and I don't know if that's a, you know, kind of some kind of a soothing process for them. Soothing is a terrible word. I apologize, but it just uh, what they actually you know, kind of function like they used to before the allegations and uh, more than allegations, I guess, uh, regarding Miller. So they played, the bottom line, I should have just said this at the start, they played really well. And, you know, just resume-wise, I don't think there's any argument that they should be the number one overall seed at this point. Yeah, uh, from that standpoint, especially as we continue on with the other three teams that received number one seeds in their region, uh, it's hard not to argue with that with how Alabama dominated its SEC tournament, whereas Houston, Kansas, and Purdue, and we'll get into them each here individually. The other one seeds, as I mentioned, Houston, Kansas, and Purdue here. Houston lost to Memphis in the AAC conference tournament final game, 75-65. to Houston will be the one seed, though, in the Midwest region. Uh, and this isn't a, a total surprise, though, that Houston lost to Memphis. Well, especially because Marcus Sasser, their best player, did not play. Uh, he is injured in the semifinals on Saturday. And he is by, you know, they, they've got three or four really good players. He is by far their best player. Uh, he suffered a groin injury. They say he was out for precautionary reasons. And, uh, Actually, I have no reason not to believe that, but, uh, you know, that the fact that he didn't play. And, yeah, Memphis had actually played them. They, that's the third time that Memphis and Houston had played, like, literally in the last three or four weeks. They backloaded the schedule in the regular season, and I believe it was they played two consecutive Sundays, uh, not the final week of the regular season, but the, the a couple before that. And, uh, yeah, Memphis pushed them you know, to the hilt in, both, in those particular games. Memphis is – 
an interesting team, by the way. Uh, they are the oldest team, birth certificate-wise, in college basketball. Of uh, the 364 teams, they are the oldest. And uh, completely different than Memphis has been in the past when you know, they went with all the freshmen. And that obviously, uh, you know, they made the tournament. But they, uh, you know, and they a couple years ago, they were actually beating Gonzaga by double digits at halftime. And they might have even lost that game by double digits in the end. But, uh, you know, they're really... An experienced team, needless to say, as far as uh, basketball-wise and life in general-wise. And uh, the fact that Sasser didn't play, uh, I didn't see a point spread in that game yesterday. I imagine that Houston was a small favorite, certainly not as big a favorite as they would have been had Sasser been playing in the game. When it comes to Kansas basketball, they lost to Texas in the Big 12 title game, 76-56. to Kansas will be in the West region, and they will get head coach Bill Self back as he was released from the hospital. Part of the statement uh, that was released is that he arrived Wednesday, he being Bill Self, to the ER complaining of chest tightness and balance issues. He underwent a standard heart heart catheterization and had two stents put in for treatment of blocked arteries. He has since been released and is expected to coach Kansas. Kansas lost to Texas, though, uh, 76 to 56. They have the one seed, but they're not in their region. They're in the West region. Meanwhile, Texas gets the two seed in the Midwest region. Yeah, Kansas got screwed here. Uh, you know, they have you know, 4,000 quad one victories. Uh, I think they have a far more impressive resume than Houston does. And uh, also Kansas, a very key injury during the Big 12 tournament. McCuller uh, was injured, did not play in the championship game. And the fact that Bill Self wasn't there, I think it definitely made a difference and, and so forth. So we'll see how they respond. Uh, so Kansas not only gets sent out of Kansas City and gets sent to the West, is uh, you know, they have, without question, and I really haven't explored the, you know, the, the bracket at all, but everything that I heard last night from people is they are by far the toughest region. And uh, if you just go by Ken Palm, we had Kevin Flaherty on from 24-7 during the sports zone. And I heard this last night, and Kevin mentioned it also. If you just go by the Ken Palm rankings, five of the top 11 in Ken Palm are all in the West Regional. So good luck. And, uh, you know, the fact that uh, Bill Self is, you know, you know hopefully he's fine. Uh, but I can't imagine if you've just gotten done with some kind of heart procedure that uh, playing in an NCAA, coaching in an NCAA tournament situation is probably not the, the best rehab immediately. Uh, for Texas, though, uh, you know, getting the two seed in the Midwest region, does that favor them? I guess. I have no idea. Like I said, I haven't looked at the regions at all. I apologize. I'm just trying to figure out some first round matchups, possibly. But, uh, you know, they played really well at the end of the season. We said more than once that, you know, if they've got it all together, there are a few teams that are more talented than they are. And they're another team, uh, not the oldest team in college basketball, but pretty close to the oldest. The one thing that still bothers me a little about Texas is they were still just four and six on the road uh, this particular year. Now, granted, uh, the majority of those road losses were in the Big 12, which is, needless to say, the, the best conference in college basketball. Really a couple, three years running, at least two, probably three years running. So we'll see. But uh, Texas is certainly seemingly playing its best basketball here at the end of the season. And even after yesterday, 
the Texas administration failed to commit to Rodney Terry long term. As for Purdue, they are the final one seed over in the Eastern region. They beat Penn State in the Big Ten title game 67-65. Uh, certainly that game for from Purdue's side of things got a lot closer than they wanted it to be. Yeah, I really wouldn't pay much attention to the championship games and how they went in any conference, uh, especially the teams that, uh, you know, well, Penn State actually had to play, what, four days in a row? Uh, because they were playing early in the uh, the Big Ten tournament, but you know, these you know, these you know, I know they're like 19 and 20 years old, and some younger. Uh, rarely are they used to playing three consecutive games in, a, in any kind of uh, you know real setting. I know they probably pick up balls a whole different thing, but uh, you know there was a lot of sloppy basketball in these championship games over the weekend. And I don't think that's unusual. I think it's almost standard procedure if you look over the years and. You know, like the one thing that a lot of people do looking ahead to the NCAA tournament is you, know, you look and see who did play three games last weekend and had to play like four games like Penn State had to play in like four days. And, you know, I think that factors into your handicapping in the uh, in the first uh, round of the NCAA tournament. And it should. Plenty to get into NCAA tournament-wise as we kind of go through those play-in games in addition to the first-round games. Uh, we'll do that a little bit later on. But for now, we will step aside. If you'd like to join the program, you can. 602-260-1060. 602-260-1060. Been jotting down notes all morning long about uh, things that are taking place in the worlds of the NFL in regards to the legal discussion time where before you Legal can actually tampering period come on kayla just say it oh I, I it's such a stupid phrase um no but it's an accurate stupid phrase it it's it's you know legal and illegal it's you know just so the fact they say legal is just crazy because it's really illegal but it also is interesting because some of these uh, deals that have been agreed upon, you know, they've been agreed, agreed upon within the first 10 minutes of this right. period yeah. of time. Really? So you've been talking it's about like, all of this well before this legal tampering period. Anyway, we'll get into that. Yep. Plus some of the trades that happened over the weekend. It is the extra point. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Follow along online at KDOS1060.com or with the new KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Something happening for you from Superbook Sports. It's a gift pack plus a $100 gift certificate as well. Uh, all you have to do is listen. There's no requirement of how long. Just listen. Hopefully you want to listen to the whole show, though. Uh, but yeah. listen... And uh, you could be qualified to win the Superbook pack of goodies plus the $100 gift certificate all happening on the KDOS 1060 app. The NFL, it's not sleeping. And it got things kind of rolling here before we've gotten into this morning's uh, fast and furious moves of people uh, free agency-wise in the legal tampering period. You've gotten me to say it, the legal tampering period. 
Uh, but let's first go back to Friday afternoon with the Bears trading yeah. the number one overall pick to the Panthers. So the Bears are getting the number nine pick, the number 61 pick, a first rounder in 2024, a second rounder in 2025, and wide receiver DJ Moore. Moore had 1,000-yard years in 2019, 2020, and 2021, a down year in 2022, but giving that a pass because who was throwing the ball to him it took a while to finally get some some quality uh, arms in there. 63 catches, 880 yards, and seven touchdowns. He's an incredible talent. So this, to me, is certainly a haul for the Bears with that number one overall pick. Yeah, see, I, I listened to a little bit on Friday afternoon after this came uh, down. It seems like uh, the the experts don't think they got enough. Uh, so we'll see uh, how this ends up and. You know, I think the question is, does Carolina actually keep this pick down? Because there was also kind of speculation on Friday afternoon that they they might trade the pick and get to recoup some of the draft picks that they gave up. Well, the other argument that I heard about this is that the Panthers actually gave up too much when they could have been in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes, which would have just been two first-rounders in a deal, although you probably would have to pay high guaranteed money. But since the Panthers were originally one of the teams that needed a quarterback and said they weren't interested in Lamar Jackson. So that's the other, I guess, coin of the that uh, potential argument. Yeah, you're, you're, I'm talking to the wrong guy here as far as this. I would want no part of Lamar Jackson if I were any NFL team. I just think that his head is not screwed on properly, and uh, you know the fact that uh, you know he's his representation, whoever that might be, uh, I think has given him bad advice, or he's just not listening to any advice and made bad decisions as far as his contractual future. Plus, I don't. There's two questions about him on the field. One, has he improved as a passer? I think the answer to that is no. And his injury situation the last two years would really have me scared if I were an NFL team, even if everything else was fine. So there's a very good possibility the Cardinals would be in the market of moving on from the number three overall pick, too. So if you did that, potentially you could have four quarterbacks go uh, one, two, three, four. So certainly all eyes now on the Cardinals with what they want to do with that third overall selection. Another trade that took place over the weekend, that to Jalen Ramsey being traded to the Dolphins. The Rams, in return, are getting a 2023 third-round pick, which is the number 77 overall pick, as well as tight end Hunter Long. So the first thing that I thought of here is, what is Ramsey's contract? Well, according to SpotTrack, it's $17 million due this year in 2023. The next thing for me when I looked at this is that the return was a third rounder. So that's very interesting to me and maybe put some realistic price tag on what the Cardinals could get if they moved on from DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, kind of what uh, you know, Field Beach suggested a few weeks ago that the best he thought they could do for trading Hopkins would be a third-round pick. Uh, it seemed as if the initial reaction, just from reading a couple of you know quick things, uh, more headline type of things, and actual substance of stories. So I apologize if I'm on off base here, but it seems as if. They, uh, the, the people that critique these things don't think that the Rams got enough for Jalen Ramsey. That's kind of what I was thinking because, you know, he is uh, 
Well, how would you categorize his 2022 season? Well, I think it's hard to – I think it's really difficult to judge that because they had no pass rush. Right. Uh, So as opposed to past years, even Aaron Donald wasn't as good as he was the year before. Yeah, they got let go of Leonard Floyd over the weekend, and I don't think anybody – I think the biggest surprise is Leonard Floyd was actually still on their team last year Um, because, you know, he wasn't exactly the Super Bowl year. You know, he had some good playoff games. That Maybe that saved him. But his regular season – I remember we talked, you know, with Jordan Rodriguez a couple times about, you know, is he going to make any plays? Basically, I was, you know, the one asking this. And, uh, you know, he wasn't nearly as good a player as anticipated. But, like I said, he – once the playoffs hit, he kind of he did make some big plays in their their, their you know Super Bowl championship push, as it turned out. Uh, speaking of Aaron Donald, uh, this player for the Commanders, he was franchise tag defensive tackle Darren Payne. He now yeah. has a deal with the Commanders, and he becomes the second highest paid defensive tackle, just behind Aaron Donald, with four years, ninety million dollars, and sixty million guaranteed. That taking place uh, in principle uh, over the weekend. Yeah, Deron Payne's really good, obviously, at Alabama. I think everybody that went to Alabama now is a, a – if you're a deep lineman, I think you're on the on the commanders. <laughs> They've got a few guys there from Alabama. But, uh, yeah, just he, – he's – I didn't watch every snap of the commanders last year for obvious reasons. But uh, it sure seemed like when I did watch them play, you knew he was on the field. Tua Tagovailoa has been uh, his fifth-year option has been picked up by the Dolphins, so maybe that will quiet down some of the moving on from Tua comments. I would assume so. Um, I don't know if they're, you know what the contractual obligation is to doing that, but uh, uh, you know I suppose that's a possibility. They were another team that came out and said they weren't interested in Lamar Jackson, by the way, publicly. Correct. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then there was all that conversation from the combine, which again you've talked about it. That's a lot of it isn't exactly true. Um, they got the Bears thing right, though. I mean, that was all. That was the big thing at the combine is that the Bears were going to trade this, you know, first overall pick before the league year started, and they did. That's so, true. So that part was actually true. So not sure if the Tom Brady to the Dolphins once again will be true or not. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) All right. We get into some of the things that have been taking place this morning around the NFL. Uh, Javon Hargrave, he is off to the San Francisco 49ers. What a defense this is going to be. Uh, Defensive tackle Javon Hargrave has reached an agreement on a four-year, $84 million deal that includes $40 million guaranteed, according to Adam Schefter. He's a tremendous player. We certainly talked about him a lot last year. Whenever we talked about the Eagles, certainly talked about them Super Bowl week and him specifically Super Bowl week, uh, formerly with Pittsburgh. And now you know, he was with Philadelphia, and he was a product, more than a productive player in both those places. You know, they Mike McGlinchey, uh, I assume, to clear up some salary cap space here. But McGlinchey, right tackle Mike McGlinchey from the 49ers, is, has moved on, and he's apparently going to Denver. Uh, so I assume there's some kind of a correlation there between you know, available finances, etc., but, you know, the 49ers, we've talked about this for two, three years running now. You know, that defensive front seven is is the best in football. And uh, along with Philadelphia, I guess this just kind of solidifies the Niners have taken over the lead 
as the best front seven in football now were Philadelphia just because of that transaction there. Yeah, you take one stud and move him from one team to another <laughs> right. team. Right. Uh, in addition to that, though, the Eagles have lost another uh, player. That would be linebacker TJ Edwards. He plans to sign with the Bears according to a three-year $19.5 million deal, including $12 million guaranteed. So the Bears are making some moves. Yeah, even though I don't think a lot of people – not a whole lot of, you know, they, they thought T.J. Edwards was a good player. But, you know, the, the one weakness of the Eagles defense for several years running now has been the linebacker position. So I don't think that that's a big shock there. You know, also, it looks like, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, Kelsey's coming back to Philadelphia. So you know, he announced or somebody announced or is reported this morning that he's not going to retire so I assume that might have had something to do with their Hargrave decision. Yeah, they've already talked about some defensive backs moving on and so forth. So they got to figure out their salary situation with Kelsey returning for another year, at least another year. Yes, that is the other news for today from the Eagles side of things is that Jason Kelsey has decided to return. So he'll be back at his center position for the Eagles. Uh, some other news that took place, you had mentioned Mike McGlinchey to the Broncos. This one kind of surprised me a little bit. So maybe this does mean uh, Raiders all in for Jimmy Garoppolo because Jarrett Stidham, two-year $10 million with the Broncos to back up Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um, so for him to take a backup job, he must have a pretty good idea. He's not going to be the starter in Las Vegas, right? I would think so, so. Yeah. Yeah. So we start with that. Also, a lot of talk, and we I even mentioned this last week in the Sports Zone, that it looks like Denver's not going to be keeping these receivers. Uh, at least one of them's going to go, whether it be Sutton or Judy or the dude from Hamler, the guy from Penn State. Yeah, I would certainly be interested in Sutton and uh, you know, Judy's had. For whatever reasons, catching the ball has been a problem in the NFL. And uh, unfortunately, Hamler, is uh, he was hurt some in college, and he's been hurt in the NFL. But it seems as if at least one of those guys or maybe more than one of those guys will not be in Denver next year. Then considering the Cardinals' receiving situation right now, which is suddenly pretty thin, and we're assuming DeAndre Hopkins is going to get traded. Uh, you know, if the Cardinals can figure it out, I would think that would be nice if they could go out get one of those Denver guys. But those Denver guys have got to want to come here too, right? So I don't know what the lure is to come here. You don't know who your quarterback's going to be at the start of the season. You got the Colt McCoy thing kind of still of that officially up in the air or unofficially up in the air. So uh, if, if I'm a receiver that's moving from – you know, Denver or anywhere else to go to the Cardinals, for instance, I want to, would like to know, I would like to have a little better understanding of what the quarterback situation is. Uh, then you also have a former Cardinal, Calais Campbell. He has been released by the Ravens. There's always a possibility for a reworked contract for yeah. him to be able to come back. But this is interesting because he was really contemplating retirement after the 2020 season and then came back for 2021. And then obviously he was uh, there last year as well. Uh, so this is kind of interesting. Does he want to keep playing? Does he want to retire? But the release makes me think that he did want to keep playing. He does want to keep playing. He even mentioned he wants to keep playing a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he, he made a you know NFL Network, I assume, because he does a lot of work on NFL Network. I believe that's where I saw that. Either that or ESPN. He was actually on. Uh, so this wasn't some report from somebody or just somebody guessing something. 
you know, he wants to play. And I read part of the statement because I've always you know, want to see Calais's name. I always want to, you know, he used to be part of this show about the sports zone back in the day uh, when he was a young and upcomer in uh, his Cardinals days. Uh, so, but I read the release from, you know, DaCosta pretty, he mentioned him as a hall of famer in the future. He didn't, there was no, no suggestion whatsoever that they were interested in bringing him back. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but Calais clearly wants to play based on what he said a couple weeks ago. Then you have the Patriots re-signing Jonathan Jones, a two-year deal for him. Also, the Patriots traded Jonu Smith to the Falcons for a seventh rounder. That Jonu Smith free agency pickup for a couple of years ago, that uh, really never materialized. Yeah, I'm a little confused what's going on in Atlanta, too, because they already have Pitts, uh, who has been kind of, not kind of, he's been a disappointment. They drafted him very highly in the draft a couple of years ago and yeah you know fantasy football people are you know you know upset as soon as you mention the name Pitts if they drafted him uh he was a high pick and tight ends a you know scant position in the fantasy football world uh maybe actually be better moving forward because there were some guys that stepped up this year that we didn't really think were going to step up but he wasn't one of them and the fact that they're adding a tight end and they only give up a seventh round pick is uh, shows you what the you know the Patriots will just take anything at this point, right? Yeah. And and uh, you know so I'm not I guess double tight ends and even more of a running game, uh, even though you know I don't you know Smith's not exactly known to be you know, for his blocking, so uh, I'm not sure that was you know if you had told me that they were going to trade him somewhere in the NFL, Atlanta would have been like one of my last guesses because it seemed like that they had the tight end of their future already there. I guess the only thing I can think of is that, uh, you know, Jonu Smith, uh, that this is, is something that maybe they were all working together on because it, it's, it hasn't materialized for him in New England. There had been talks a lot about how it's just struggling to pick up the playbook of what, what the Patriots were trying to do. And he had his best career years with Arthur Smith Correct. when he was with the Titans. And Arthur Smith is obviously the head coach with the Falcons. So maybe just kind of trying to do him a solid and get him back to a familiar place. I was just going to add that uh, Arthur Smith connection. You're right, 100%. And you know, it's it's. I actually think that uh, the Falcons. It's almost impossible to say, but I think even I think the Falcons ran the ball at a higher percentage of frequency than even the Titans did when he was at Tennessee, even with Derrick Henry. Uh, considering the scoreboard and so forth, there were a lot of games where the Falcons were losing last year, and they're still just pounding the ball up the middle. And getting chunk yards. <laughs> That's true. Successfully getting, yeah, with you know, Cordell, Cordero Patterson, among others, right? Exactly. Now, this was an interesting. And the dude from BYU. That guy was good last year. Uh, this was interesting here. It's not a trade but or a signing in free agency, but Austin Eckler has asked for permission to talk with other teams after a contract extension and those sort of talks with the Chargers have cooled down. And I think Austin Eckler probably has a point here because he carried such a huge load when uh, the Chargers had lost uh, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen for a good portion of the year. Totally agree. I mean, I was really surprised about this. And, you know, once again, the Cardinals are a team. I could say this probably about, you know, 75% of the positions that the Cardinals have uh, on their roster right now. But they could certainly use a running back. I know James Conner has been good, but 
Can we trust him staying healthy moving forward? Unfortunately, on most of his career, he's uh, had some kind of uh, health issue, some of it under his control, some of it not. But, uh, you know, if it Eckler, I would assume if he becomes a free agent, even though he's a, quote, running back, uh, I'm guessing he's getting low-balled because he's a running back, right? So that's I assume that's been a part of the stumbling block uh, with the Chargers. And finally, going back to our original topic here with Jared Stidham moving on uh, to the Broncos, two-year, $10 million deal, and the assumption here that he knows he's not going to be a starter. Uh, Mike Garofolo tweeting this out here, that the Raiders are closing in on a deal with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, after six seasons with the 49ers, he's on his way to Vegas and reuniting with Josh McDaniels. That's true. Uh, the other thing, I guess that means he's not going to the Jets. So that uh, increased the Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if you can increase the Aaron Rodgers speculation well, going to the Jets, but uh, he's not. Jimmy G's not going to you know the Jets, where you know, a lot of the, uh, the coaching staff used to be with the 49ers. That is true, Robert Sala, and that whole connection. Uh, but. The offensive coordinator is now Nathaniel Hackett. It's not. Uh, it's not Lafleur. Uh, well, he um, used to be. He used to be in San Francisco though too, before he went to the Packers. At one point, he went from like San Francisco to Jacksonville to the Packers, right? So, yeah, he has a background in that offense for sure. If he was, I, th- I'm, I thought he was in San Francisco at one point. Not I, necessarily with Jimmy G, but he was there, and he knows the offense with Shanahan. Yeah, so uh, certainly, you know, I had seen something this morning real early when you were talking about the Jets and kind of uh, in this standstill because of Aaron Rodgers that Diana Rossini had reported this morning that both the Jets and the Packers have not been discussing any sort of trade or have anything like firmly in place because they still don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. Uh, And she's talking about that as we speak on ESPN right now to Hannah Storm. Well, there we go. So there you uh, go. Very impressive, Kayla. To get to just mind get, reading away over here. Excellent timing. Very nice. But it, it certainly is um, a terrible position to be in. But I guess if you're the Jets, you should have known that this is a possibility when you're dealing with Aaron Rodgers, that not everything is going to just be uh, all laid out and perfectly timed for you to, to figure out your future plans. That's true. I guess you know, there's got to be a compensation thing involved here too, right? That, I'm sure the Packers are just not going to take a you know, a, you know, a, you know, bag of Twinkies or something in return. No, if you're the Packers, absolutely not. However, you have kind of come out and said publicly, Thompson and everybody, that we're planning on moving on from Aaron Rodgers. Right. So maybe they should take a bag of Twinkies. <laughs> we'll get into the Players Championship on the other side of the break. It is the extra point. Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kim from 9 to 10 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060, KDUS1060.com, and with the KDUS 1060 app. of Extra Point on this Monday, March 13th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today. The new time slots for everything. The Dan Patrick Show live 6 to 9 a.m. followed by the Sports Home with Bob Kemp from 9 to 10 a.m. and the Extra Point from 10 to noon. Scotty Scheffler, Bob, 
He is just playing the most consistent yeah. golf out of anyone. He notched his sixth PGA Tour victory, the Players' Championship, on Sunday, and he ran away from the field. Uh, he finished 17 under par. Tyrrell Hatton was 12 under par. He had to shoot a, a 65, a closing 29, to get into uh, second place there. Victor Hovland and Tom Hoagie in a tie for third at 10 under par. Justin Ray, I reference him a lot. He's got a lot of really interesting nuggets and statistics on Twitter. Now, this is fascinating here. The fewest days between your first victory on the PGA Tour and your sixth PGA Tour victory. Scotty comes in at number four, and it's pretty darn good company. Tiger Woods' fewest days from first victory to sixth victory, 273 days. Jack Nicholas, 322 days. David Duvall, Remember that guy? 322 days. And Scotty Scheffler coming in at 392 days. Yeah. yeah. Some some notables. Rory missed the cut. Rom withdrew with that stomach bug. Justin Thomas, T60 at even even par. Uh, a slew of guys. Xander, Cantlay, Finau, Spieth, Jason Day, all tied for 19th at six under par. This week will be the Valspar Championship. Sam Burns is the back-to-back defending champion, so he'll be trained to three-peat this week. We'll get into much more around the Valspar later on this week in the Extra Point, but we'll get back into heavy NCA hoops talk in hour number two. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS 1060.com, and the KDOS 1060 app.